You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Mike Chappell, I'm Dave Griffith. Joe Hopkins is here on the board as well. Gentlemen, a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you all. How was your holiday season? I'm alive. Yes. And if, if during this podcast I die from pneumonia, I'll know that I did this. I went out doing what I like to do, so there we go. There we go. I had a great time with family, so no complaints here. Everyone knows my Christmas was special, at least everyone here in this office, because I'm wearing my brand new Syracuse hat. It's disgusting. I have my brand new Syracuse polo. So it is all orange all the time. Marvin Harrison doesn't even wear that stuff anymore. Here, Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison in the news recently just because uh, Michael Thomas did eventually break his record. We were talking about that the week of the Saints one, game. One four nine. That is a lot of catches. I mean, you get uh, basically 150 catches in 16 in 16 games. You're in the nine catches per game territory well, right the around thing that, there. The thing is, it's, it's every game. Yep. When you have that two or three catch game that every guy has, mm-hmm. it really makes it tough. And he didn't have that. A little, little quick stat. The next highest wide receiver in receiving receptions for the Saints was Ted Ginn at 30. So Ted that Ginn. really shows you how much the offense funneled through Michael Thomas. Well, Mar- uh, that went, in Marvin's season, the, the second best receiver was Reggie with like 43 or 41. Because in each case, the second best, the be- most re- reception was by running back Kamara and Edron James, but Reggie was way deep after that as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is not a Saints podcast, though, gentlemen. This is a <laughs> right. Colts podcast, so we flipped the attention back to the horseshoe. And uh, just earlier on Thursday, Chris Ballard spoke to the media one of the few times he really does. And uh, well, he certainly took advantage of his time. Mike, you were there for the entire time. Some stats we were talking about. Uh, I was looking at the video clip that we shot on Fox fifty nine CBS four. One hour and thirteen minutes plus a little bit. We, of change. we ran out of legitimate questions. Yes, but I mean, when you get down to Marvell Tell and people, <laughs> like, you, you just. You're just kind of dragging it out. You, I, I think he would probably ask answer fewer questions if uh, he talked to the media more. I would love to see that. But nevertheless, he, he does his thing for a reason, I'm sure. 74 questions, 21 on quarterbacks. It's funny you talk about the length of it. We always, uh, Matt Conti, the Colts PR guy, sort of stands on the side and he sort of runs these press conferences. And at one point, I think we were 48 minutes in, he sort of said, so, you know, a couple more questions. And Chris said, no, no, we're okay. So Ballard would have sat there as long as it, as it took and, and as long as we had questions. So it's it's one of the things that sort of endears Ballard to the local media mm-hmm. because – and some people see that as a um, a knock on the local media. That, ah, you guys are just budding up too many and all that. But, no, he, he gives you good answers, and you hold his feet to the fire. People always get upset that, well, you guys don't ask the hard questions. No, we do. Yeah. Th- then the question is how much of an ass do you want to be asking three or four follow-ups knowing right. what you're going to get. So – that that's, comes down to being professional and doing what you get, getting your job done without being part of the story. I guess there, is what it is. There's a big difference between yes, being a, being a professional journalist and inserting yourself into the story and trying to make it about you being right. so amazing and pushing and pressing and being a, a jerk, for lack of a better word. Correct. Because there are some guys, like I mean, most guys. You can keep asking the same question. They're not going to tell you what you want to hear. Right. If it's something like if you wanted to hear Chris Ballard talking bad about like Eric Ebron, let's say, right. you're probably not going to get that. Right. So if you ask him one question, he says, today, we're probably going to move on. That's what Chris Ballard had to say about Eric Ebron. Now, if you, if, if you went there with, it, with the idea of doing a story on Ebron on that, 
I suppose you could have asked, well, how did this go down? Mm-hmm. He might have told us his thoughts on how it went and how he didn't care for how it went. But, uh, again, it, it's just on whether you want to really push the issue and be part of the story. And you'll see some uh, com- press conferences, not, not necessarily season enders, where, where a reporter knows if he asks a, a coach a question two or three times, at some point the coach is going to go off and say, listen, and then you get what you want. Mm-hmm. And if that's what you want, fine, you can do that. But I, th- I think there are ways to do your job and get the questions and, and ask the pertinent questions. If you want to call them hard questions, fine. Without, again, being an ass to do it and, and, and making your support. I can't believe what that guy asked him. And he's asking the tough questions. Well, it's, you, you can do that if you want. But that's to me, that's just not the way you need to do your job. Well, one of the first things Chris Ballard said during his uh, session with the media was, that uh, the team, it, it will go down as a 7-9 and nine team. No matter what else you think behind the scenes, no matter what else you like about the roster, no matter what the uh, outlying circumstances were, at the end of the year, this is a 7-9 and nine team. And he said, it's a stain that will not easily wash away. So y- you can try to be positive and put positive spins on things all you want. The fact is, the GM's coming out here and putting this really... It's a very negative lens really to to say that that it's a stain that it will never wash right. away and but but it's reality too so it's not like he's he's throwing anybody under the bus saying this well, he's throwing himself under the bus exactly and, that's but, the but, thing. but again you get comments from 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 fans on, on twitter they say well, I, he he's not holding anybody accountable no he's holding everybody accountable including himself mm-hmm. now I don't, I don't know what more they want him to do other than resign you know which which yeah good luck have fun with that and, and that's what pe- people one of the one of the things that that Ballard mentioned that that I was thinking at the time, and since he mentioned it, I, I didn't go back and ask him a question. Is so many people again? You read Twitter, and the fan base is po. They are mad. They are upset. They're disappointed, and they should be. When when you're a franchise that doesn't care, you have issues. When your fan base doesn't care, but the one thing that he mentioned is is that when you are seven and nine, and this this almost sounds like an excuse. When you're seven and nine, all the warts look worse. Mm-hmm. Everything looks like, you know, throw everybody out, get, you know, re- turn over the roster. And if they make five or six plays, three or four kicks, they're nine and seven, they're 10 and six, and they're in the playoffs. And you still have those problems, but they're not nearly as, as glaring in people's minds. And, you know, Jacoby Brissett would still be the guy who's not, who's not getting the job done well enough. But if you're in the playoffs, every everything is just better, and when you're not, everything is worse. And I understand that. Uh, how many years in, in Indy that we went through, and Peyton and, and early Andrew Luck covered up deficiencies? Mm-hmm. They were there, but 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 the quarterback was good enough to overcome them. This quarterback, we, we can spend how much time you want bashing Bursette. This quarterback was not good enough when he had to be. If the first question I, I asked uh, Ballard today is, is Andrew Luck done? Have you guys, do you approach him or will you approach him? He said, people need to realize he's retired. Accept it. If, if Andrew Luck had quarterbacked this team, everything else happens, all the injuries, all the missed kicks, they're probably 10 and 6 because the quarterback will make two or three plays a game, you know, and, and make a difference. You can see any, you know, whether it's Carson Wentz or whomever, and Brissett did not do that, especially the second half of the season. And that's, that is on the quarterback, not doing enough 
to lift your team when you need that one guy to do it. Now, Andrew Luck is has to be where any 2019 season recap starts with the Colts, with his decision way back in August to, right. to decide to retire, to step aside two weeks before the regular season. News broke during the second half of the third preseason game at home against the Bears. He came off the field. The fans booed, which... I mean, at the time, you know, Chris Bowden and Frank Reich were saying that they're disappointed about that. But then Chris comes out here in this press conference. He says he likes the passion. He likes the enthusiasm from the fans. So I understand how both are true. It's not like he's contradicting himself, really. You can still be disappointed in the way one thing worked out and still happy with, I guess, the passion and uh, the right. uh, the vitriol, if you want to go that far, that the fans showed. And that, and that was the knee-jerk of fans. It was, and and which, it- is, I th- which I said at the time, if, if you want to be a major sports city— and have right. people who care about your team, this is going to happen. You can't just be all sunshine and butterflies and rainbows and cheer off this guy as he leaves the field. But but also, that was at the end of the preseason game, uh, what, 11 o'clock at night? Yeah, it was late. And the game was long over, and so who who in the heck is still there? I mean, serious. Uh, so, But it, it's, all, it's always the loud minority who, who, who voices the loudest and who's heard the most, and and again, that's why I think, by and large, the fan base is, is pretty loyal to the team. But again, I think the fan base needs to be upset. They need to be wanting more because if you're not, you're Jacksonville, you're Cleveland. I shouldn't put Cleveland in there. There's just they're, they're always so bad. <laughs> but you're a franchise that just doesn't get it. I saw some stat what, that what Jacksonville is over the Khan's uh, career as an owner, and it was like 30-something and 90-something. Mm-hmm. It, it's unbelievable. I saw that same stat. It was comparing, I think, these Jaguars to the Matt, Matt Millen-era Millen uh, Detroit Lions. Right. Yeah, that, that's not a comparison you want. No. Again, it, it, with the Colts, th- their really, really bad seasons have been the 4-12s the and, and the 3-13s and when you don't have 2-14, and 14, when you don't have the quarterback, or you thought you did and you don't. But I think if you're – they talk sustained – Excellent or, or success, and in in that when you're in that cycle, seven and nine should be without question your worst because stuff happens. But what you want to get back to is the I'm, I'm not saying thirteen and three because that that run the Manning had was just not right, otherworldly, right? And, and I'm not going to put New England in there because they're again they're the outlier. But you, this if if you're a relevant franchise in the NFL, eleven and five. An occasional twelve and four—that needs to be what you shoot for, and we can argue till the cows come home how, how far this roster is from that. But I'd argue again that until they get the quarterback situation settled, nothing else matters. And, and exactly, and, and I'll I'll add a little addendum to that with with the quarterback, which is kind of part of the discussion as well, which we can get into in a bit. We can talk quarterback first, but if you don't get the quarterback and you don't get the left tackle right. <laughs> it, it, that is just as important, like protecting the blind side of whoever your franchise guy is. And we can get into Anthony Costanza, like I said, in a little bit here. But we will begin with the quarterback, and that is Jacoby Brissett. What did Chris Ballard have to say about Jacoby? He said he did some good things. Our passing game has to improve. But you'll see it as the, um, the headline of our story right now on Fox59.com is the jury's still out. And that's what Chris Ballard said. I think that's the overarching, if you want to steal one quote from everything he said, with the 2024 20, questions that were asked to him about Jacoby Brissett. 20, 21 questions on, the quarter, on quarterbacks yeah. in general. That that is the one quote that jumps out. Hey, jury's still out. He, he has not made the determination through this entire year, through the entire offseason of being QB1 when Andrew Luck was out, through his entire starting season two years ago, which I know is 
very different situationally than this past season was, but he has not convinced the front office that he is the guy moving forward. As much as Frank Reich wants to say, hey, he's our guy, and he's rah-rah and in his well, corner. Now, 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 Ballard did say when pressed, sort of like, do you see him as your starter next year? And, he's, and he sort of said yes, but he also said, I thought Andrew Luck was going to be our starter this season. So it's one of those, if, they, if the season started tomorrow, Brissett would be more than likely your starting quarterback because right. I, the right now, right now, option two is not there. Right. It's not. It's. It's. It's not. Chad. Joe, Kelly. that's enough out of you. It's not. Sit down. Sit down and shut up. It's <laughs> not. He'll be here next year. It, it is of all those twenty-one questions, you didn't have me involved. Chad Kelly. Zero. 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 Sorry, which Joe. sort of is surprising. It's if we can ask about Marvell Tail, how can you not ask about Chad Kelly? All right. But. If if it's still strange how they use him, we'll take two minutes here. It's so strange how they used Chad, how they didn't use Chad Kelly this year. He's on the roster, on the active roster for the last I don't know ten games. Well, since since the Pittsburgh game, mm-hmm. so eight or nine games, and there was never a chance of him playing unless two quarterbacks went down. So if if you thought. If you kept him on the roster because you were afraid to lose him, which I think they were, but you kept him on the roster and you didn't think enough to have him maybe play the fourth quarter against Carolina, I don't know. I, I don't understand it. Uh, but he, he's not – if Brissett is not the quarterback in the opener next year, either, one, he's hurt, or, or that guy's not here yet. It, that, the plan B is not here in my mind if Brissett's not the guy. The Colts did sign Jacoby to an extension through next season, so he's under contract, Mike, for next year. And I saw that you tweeted out some salary cap info for him, so you can follow Mike at mchapel51 on Twitter. From uh, This is from SpotRack, your little retweet. said the first year of this deal was about $9 million, so that's in the can already. The second year, the number jumps up to about $21 million right. in this deal. So, And the way this works is if the Colts wanted to cut him, if it was, if it was just see you later, goodbye, there's still twelve point five million of that is dead cap so. money, or and you can so spread that over. You can spread that over two years, I believe. Right, so that's about eight nine million that you would save um, if you want to just cut your code reset. Which which again they won't do. I, I, no, exactly. Right. I'm, I'm just we're just throwing Correct. out options Correct. like what you can do. Um, if they tried to trade him before March twentieth, which I think the new year. Uh, it's early it's, March. I don't know how early March is. Okay, there, there's there's a date in March where if you tried to trade in before then, you could save $15 million off that. But again, the, the, this is not the most important discussion to have because the Colts have a lot of salary cap space. It's not like they're really pawning for extra dollars or extra just half a million here and there. Like I think they're I doing saw pretty good. $140 million in cap space? Is yeah, that 140 I, plus in expected cap spending that's space. That's crazy. So maybe I should just stop talking about it because it's really not that that uh, that relevant. Um but but that, but again, Chris Ballard didn't. You know, he reiterated that that's the reason they gave him the one year extension mm-hmm. to sort of protect the team. Yep. And and pay and pay Jacoby as a top twenty quarterback, which that's what they said he was last year, and he he spent most of the season proving that's about what he is. Uh, but also to 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 let him prove what he is or what he is not, and that, that's where I think Ballard says the jury is still out. I think you'd love to know more on, on, on what he is. My whole, and it was sort of asked to Chris Ballard today, and 
I, I don't, and we've talked about. I, I'm not sure how you evaluate. It's, it's player to player to player. I realize it's offense, defense, and all that. But when you break down a player and how he played his position, how do you evaluate the quarterback when he had the knee injury that impacted his his game, at least for two games physically, and then mechanically maybe for the rest of the season, and then you've got Ty missing, you know what he missed, and Eric Ebron and Devin Funches and Paris Campbell and. Chester Rogers, and so how do you how do you evaluate? And I think what you do is you you sort of lay more on the first seven games, mm-hmm. and even the first seven games when they were five and two, there were things in Brissett's game that you didn't like. You know, hey, it's great that you had three interceptions and fourteen touchdowns, but be more aggressive. The one the one stat that that Frank Reich really really harps on is yards per attempt. Remember, he said he went seven point five. That's not high. No, he said seven five is where you want to be, eight is where you really want to be. Right. And Brissett was six six, I think it was. And I went back and looked, and the raw numbers can be misleading, but if you exclude Pittsburgh when he played into the second quarter, fourteen of his twenty nine starts as a Colt, he's thrown for less than two hundred yards. You you can't do that in today's NFL. That's not a long-term, su- sustainable way to succeed. Especially when you have a top-seven running game. Yeah, That should make it easier to throw the football, and it wasn't. And it should also make it easier to get chunk plays, which they didn't. Oh, their the chunk first plays were season. interference penalties. They were, yeah. It was it was Deion Kane. Uh, God rest his soul. Not that he's uh, he's past us. Did we miss something? No, no, no. Just from, <laughs> Breaking from the, news. Uh, from, from the roster. God rest his roster spot, I, I guess I should say, that uh, we missed Deion Kane pass interference penalties. And one thing that we need to keep in mind, too, I'll bet if we when we see the list of chunk plays – which are 20 yards or more by NFL. I think the Colts are like 16 or more. But the problem with the Colts' chunk plays is they're sort of 20 yards. They're not 60 and 70. Remember, the T.Y. gives you – he normally gives you seven or eight of those every season. Not this year. That That's what was missing. Joe, I don't know if you can look this up quickly, but I think the longest reception T.Y. had this year was somewhere in the 30s. 35. And I think previously his, his least – like his lowest single season longest play was like 61, right? Something like that. Let me see what I got here. Yeah, 35 this year, year previously 68. 68. And, and it his... wasn't just 168, it was, it was exactly, I mean, it, it was, you know, it's there was 55, like, it's 45, right. it's 40. And what was it? What was his yards per catch this year? 10, 5, 10, 6? Uh, a little over 11. Was it that high? Okay. Well, because his the last, last game, game, the last game really game. did help him. He got a couple really good ones. But for the good first ones. career, he's 15, 6. Career, including this season, 15-6. Um, previous shortage was year two. 13 and year two. Right. Yeah, but so, every man. So, again, so T.Y.'s situation sort of skews everything mm-hmm. about how, you know, whether he, you know, somebody said, well, he only missed four. Was it five games he missed? Well, he only missed five games. No, he missed, he missed five games, but there were like three games that he should have played. Right. Because he's eat, T.Y. and he was determined to be out there. Right. And he had like two catch for those two games. They had like five catches for forty yards. I mean, really? Mm-hmm. This is Ty. Even before the injury, I mean, first three games completely healthy. His highest, uh, you know, average was ten nine. Right. So he still wasn't doing it. But, he, 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 was, but he was getting touched. He had five touchdowns in the first seven games. Mm-hmm. So he, he was being a factor, and he, but they just weren't using him deep. Now whether that again, the the biggest gripe about Brissett is his 
indecisiveness and and that he's he, he's averse to taking risks. Mm-hmm. He wants you know that that's you know, again eighteen touchdowns, six interceptions. Okay, that, that's the six interceptions are great, but you just, just got to have the eighteen touchdowns, four in the last seven games. You just can't win in today's NFL with that without the productivity. Would it be fair to say? Even though now he's a starter, he still kind of plays like a backup. That mentality of just don't ruin the game, go in there, do your job. It doesn't seem like he ever tried to take things to the next or, level. Or is, I'm the guy. Or is this who he is? Yeah. See, that's what you got to figure out is, you know, you draft somebody, second round, first round, whatever. The idea is, boy, his ceiling is way up here. And with Brissett, we, we've talked in the media room. H- have we sort of seen his ceiling? Is the first seven games... Is that as good as it gets? Mm-hmm. And if it is, is that good enough? And the, the big debate is, as we've seen over the last 20 years, an elite quarterback, and I'll put, I'll, I'll put Luck in there because he, he, he is and he was, or he, I should say he was, an elite quarterback can carry a mediocre roster. Can an elite roster carry a mediocre quarterback? It's been done. You know, there have been a couple of teams that won Super Bowls with, you know, Brad Johnson and Trent Dilfer. And Some people would put the last Peyton Manning Super Bowl in that exact yes, same uh, yes, category. Yes, but it's rare. Yes. It is rare. I would much rather have that top drawer, top end quarterback, knowing that unless all the stars align, you're not going to have your roster in place. You just, you're going to have mistakes, you're going to have injuries, whatever. I want that quarterback who can make Blair White catch seven or eight touchdowns in a season. Mm-hmm. In, in, in Brian Fletcher and Aaron Moorhead and on and on and Ben Utek, guys who are not household names by any stretch, but, but they can make plays and be a difference on your roster because you're going to have stuff happen. I want that quarterback who can who can cover up a bad day with the defense where they where they give up 31 points and mm-hmm. so you have to score 35. And mm-hmm. and Luck and Manning did that, and very rarely did Brissett do that. And Colts fans are used to that now, so that's that's the type of person I think that most most of them want someone like like you're talking about. But look at can... most teams, and gosh, that's that's just how they are. I mean, yeah, you know, we we hear about how the, the the Chiefs' defense is so much better, and this, that, and the other. They'll go as far as Mahomes takes them, probably. And mm-hmm. now maybe an exception is going to be Brady with with the Patriots this year. Maybe this is the year that they finally are old and done. Because at times they look like it. I ain't betting against them until they oh, finally I tell fail. You, I, <laughs> if, if I had to bet $100 this week, I'd take Tennessee against the Patriots. Yeah, go ahead. But I, there you go. That's Again, I'll, I'll help build a casino somewhere. Yep. But I, I just, the biggest decision these guys have to make, and they have to do it in the, in the next month or so before you really get heavy on the draft, is, is can Brissett be, I guess, the short term, which is a year or two answer, or – a longer term, and I don't know how he's shown you enough to say, yeah, he's our guy. And this I, is sorry, this is a unique offseason too in in quarterbacks because there are several veteran quarterbacks who are going to be free agents. So if you decide that Jacoby's not your guy, you can go out and get perhaps a Philip Rivers for the next couple years, a guy that Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni have both worked with in the past. Well, I don't see him fitting here. I know what you're saying. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying these guys oh, are going to be out there. Oh, no Cam question. Newton is probably going to be Marcus out there. Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota is going to be out there if you really want to uh, stir that drink. Because you haven't seen enough of that. I think Colts fans, <laughs> well, as we've said before, Colts fans have seen the worst of Marcus Mariota. Yeah, if game John Gruden wants to dangle Derek Carr in a trade, yeah. this is the number I can, I can hook you up to the Colts. Uh, I, I, it would depend on, on the the price mm-hmm. 
uh, for a trade, but I'm telling you, Derek Carr, he's probably, I don't know, is he 30? He's not 30. He's 28, probably. If he is 30, he still has eight good years left right. in him. That's that's a good chunk. That's what you thought luck was going to give you, right. eight more years, and, whatever and it is. He, he seems to be a fit in what Reich likes. What is he? He's, he'll be a 29 this offseason. Okay. Perfect, yeah. And, and he's, he's, he's a 70% passer, mm-hmm. if not higher. And uh, he, I saw a quote from uh, the end of the season where he, he wants to chuck the ball down the field more. Well, they, they do; they'll do that here. Mm-hmm. But I, I would say a, a coach won't get rid of their franchise quarterback. But Gruden got rid of the one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, so anything's. You never know what those, but, but uh, those the, Raiders going to do. Your point is they have options. Yes, they do. There, there are options. I wouldn't think they would want to go veteran short term. I don't. I just mm-hmm. don't think they would do that. Uh, to me, the draft is 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 where they go now, and then we'll see. We're going to see how much they really love them. Some Jacoby Brissett by how heavy they are in the draft. I, I think my overarching point for this offseason with quarterback, like you said, is they have options. They can stay. They can go the veteran route. They have the capital to draft somebody even in the first round if they want to, or the they second thir- or third. Are they thirteenth? Thirteenth, and then they have right the thirty-fourth overall pick too from Washington. They've got three of the top forty something because they'll be high in the. Uh, in the yes. second round as well. They can move up if they have to. So sometimes front offices do not have that luxury of having right. options. They are boxed in to one thing. We have to stick with this guy because the cap number is too big. We've got to stay with him. We're locked into doing this. Now, Chris Ballard, the, the, the bad thing about having options for Chris Ballard is you're going to be judged by what decision you make. So if you make the wrong decision, people can look back on this offseason and said, well, there were this option and that option and the other option. You chose this one and it failed. So this is a make-or-break offseason, obviously, for Chris Ballard, especially because it is the quarterback that is at the center of it all. And they, I don't know how high you're going to have to move up to, to get one of the top quarterbacks because uh, we don't know about Tua. I'm not, one reason I don't want to draft him is I, I don't want to spell his last name. Uh, but I, <laughs> the he, T-Man. He, he come, he's going to make a decision January 6th, I think it is. I would, I would think he comes out. I, I, I mean, if the injury doesn't show you that you need to get to the NFL quickly, yeah. Uh, but what w- what people need to understand is, is how, how does Ballard have these guys w- when the time comes lined up? Maybe he's got a guy from wherever. Uh, did the Giants weren't the Giants about the only ones in on Daniel Jones? They were, and he did pretty well. And, and right, if if that's your guy, okay. Uh, that may work out pretty well, but you just it, it only takes you know you, all it takes is for Ballard to like a guy to really mm-hmm. like a guy, not like really love a guy. Yep. If you're going to move up a couple of spots to get that guy, you got to really like the guy because Ballard, as we know, has he has he moved up? He's not moved up in the first round. He's moved he's moved up to get uh, a player or two. Kari Willis. Kari Willis. He right. moved up to get right. Um, he moved up in the second round, didn't he? To get like two years ago, did he do that? He may have. But Is that it, Taekwon it, Lewis? It's rare. Well, that's another Ugh. story. Yeah, but, but I can't remember who it was. Yeah, Maybe it, it was Kamoko Ture. The whole thing is he he really really values draft picks as we as we've beaten to death here. Uh, but he he could like Joe Schmo from South Dakota State. You just don't know. Uh, so and, and if he really likes the guy off the radar, maybe you think you can get him at thirty four with your second second round pick. So, uh, but. This is all speculation, and people. Can, what what's funny, and, and we'll, we'll give people a warning right now, is when you see tw- Twitter that the Colts were at somebody's pro day or somebody's whatever. That's what they have scouts for. Yeah, and even if Ballard goes, it, it means something, but not everything. How many times we 
we ask these players when they're drafted, oh, did the Colts show much interest? No. Never, exactly. ne- never saw them. Never saw them. <laughs> I think that was Rocky's scene last year. He's right. like, I never heard from the Colts. Right. Yeah, people so, like to play close to the vest. But what's interesting is, is again, how do they have their priorities ranked? Uh, and at some point we can talk about Costanzo because I'm telling you, that's throwing something into the lake, and, and the ripple effect is incredible. Yeah, we we got to do that now because, like I said earlier, it is so inherently tied to the quarterback position, what you have at left tackle, who protects the quarterback's blind side. Um, if, if you don't have that locked down, then in a sense it doesn't matter who your quarterback is because he's going to be mobile as heck and, and durable. Exactly, both of those things. And we, we've seen that – mobile and durable doesn't always last even with like a cam newton from this year i'd say he's mobile i'd say he's durable but he's still knocked out for this year and it's no guarantee the the best there's no guarantee period but the best guarantee the best option that you have is to have the best possible left tackle in there and here's what chris ballard said about anthony costanzo i hope he plays in 2020 i hold him in high regard it's a shame the league is just finding out the type of player he is. So obviously, Chris Bauer, I think, thinks the world of Anthony Costanzo as his left and tackle. And will pay whatever it takes to bring him back. And I believe he should, because as we have said throughout this year, his backup is not on the roster right now. You, you have LaRaven Clark, who was inactive, I think, if not every game this year, more than 10 games this year. You had a couple of seventh-round tackles that you right. drafted last year that one guy missed the entire season with injury, one guy's on the practice squad. If you don't have Anthony Costanzo back there next year, you need to get someone as a veteran or you need to draft someone probably in the first or the second round to be your right. guy moving forward. Just to show you the value of it, uh, and this I tweeted out, this reminds me very much, I mean, worst case if Costanzo walks away, which if you're talking about retirement, you're... I go back to Marv Levy. You know, if you're thinking about retiring, you've already retired. Well, yeah. I don't think that's the case here. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he's really thinking about it means he's really thinking about it. Uh, and Tarek Glenn retired after the Super Bowl. He shows up for the offseason workouts, and in July, he says, "Man, I'm done. I'm I'm done." Which th- th- there really wasn't a plan B in place. But from 1998, Glenn was the first round pick in in '97. And he misses most of, probably all of training camp. So he plays right guard his first career, or his, his first season. Adam Meadows is your left tackle. So from 1998 to 2006, the Colts had two guys start at left tackle. Tariq Glenn and... I have no idea. McCoy Freitas. <laughs> yeah, started started four games. Not getting that. Tariq missed four games. Yeah. So since so since Costanzo's been here, this is another Jeopardy question. They've had four other guys start at left tackle. Four other guys. Four other guys. Can you? LaRaven Clark is one. Right. Did Joe Haig start at left tackle? That's two. There's two. Um. Tony Hugo. Nope. Not since Costanzo's been here. Oh, since Costanzo's been here. These have got to be recent ones because I think. Oh, maybe there's one from a while back. One of them was in 2015. Okay. I was here for that. Oh. I should know this. Oh, Joe, Joe's... Joe's trying to cheat over there on his laptop. Dave's trying to do Not it from cheating. the top of his head. <laughs> it's, it's a local guy. He's the Dolphins now. Oh, yeah, it's Joe. A... Uh, Joe, um... Ah, Wrights. Joe Wrights. Joe Wrights is three. Yeah, there we go. And there was one when Costanzo missed four games as a rookie. Well, I'm not going to get that one. Jeff Linkenbach. Okay. But without... 
between the Glenn and, and Costanzo years, you've got Tony Hugo, Charlie Johnson, and Jeff Linkenbach. It's 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 the it, it's a quarterback, left tackle, and pass rusher. Those are the most important positions and the hardest to find. And if you're gonna if you're gonna if Costanzo walks in one day and says, "Man, I'm done. I, I'm just I'm moving on." Mm-hmm. Then doesn't that first round pick become the left tackle? Uh, I'd find it hard to focus on anything else. I really even would. Quarter, see, even quarterback, I don't know, unless there's a guy you really love there. At 13, I think I'd like a tackle more than a quarterback if you need both of them. That, that's just not knowing exactly who's there, you know, assuming the best of the best guys are going higher. I would think that they'd probably have a better chance to hit on tackle than they would a quarterback. Well, even if he comes back, they got to address it in the draft at some point because you know he doesn't have that much. Well, but if he, but if he, if he comes back, it's going to be you're going to have him for like three years, right? I mean, he's, he won't come back. He's not going to sign year. a one year contract, right? So, but but in my mind, the fact that he was when he talked to us on Monday, he he was not. Yeah, you know, you don't know. He, he was he was. This is a personal decision. I got personal reasons. There's something going on with him. Now, I'm not saying health or anything like that. It's just that he's he's wired somewhat like, although not as tightly, as Andrew Luck. Football is 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 what he does. It's not who he is, and he's totally committed to it. I mean, he talked about that when he gets in the off season, he can take like a week off, and then he's got he's got he gets back to his routine. Mm-hmm. He says his girlfriend always gets mad because when they're going out of town, he's got to make sure he gets his lifting in on Friday. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, if I had to bet, I say he doesn't come back just because of him talking like that. But th- what we've talked about all along was the fact there wasn't an extension. Maybe this is why. Yep. M- maybe way back when, whenever they approached him, whenever that was, he said, you know, let's hold off because I just don't know what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Although Frank Reich told us that the first ter- time he heard about this retirement talk was when he talked to him on Monday. Now, maybe maybe Costanza was more open with, has been more open with Ballard, but... A handful of players I talked to said, "Yeah, we, we've we've talked to him about this, and this has been on his mind." Well, the fact that it's been on his mind, it just tells me this is something he's seriously considering. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the biggest problem, which is why I always harp on the why there's no extension, is and your plan B is what? Or even Clark, Joe Haig? I mean, uh, no. So and, and so, let's say he walks, and you find the guy you like at 13 or move up to 10 or whatever, you're starting a rookie left tackle. <laughs> that guy's going to face the other team's best athlete every week. He's going to face J.J. Watt twice every, a year. Every, every t- He's yeah, going to face twice. Yannick Ngakwe twice right. a year. So, so it, it's just, it, this is the one that, uh, it, it, if, if Chris Ballard did not have any inkling that this was, that this was possible, his reaction on Monday would have been like, uh, hang on a minute, what, you said what? Hmm. You're thinking about what? So, uh, and this is again, this is the one where maybe you thought, okay, quarterback, and you know, I think receiver. I think receivers a crying need, mm-hmm. and it, this is apparently a deep draft for receivers. But all of a sudden, that gets pushed back maybe to the third out, your third priority with quarterback and, and left tackle. It's it's crazy that we're talking about wide receivers such a deep need after last training camp. It was oh, wide receivers are deep, 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 deep. But then everything just went wrong. In that group, it was oh, I, Devin I was, Funches first. Go I, was ahead. One, I was one of those guys that had Zach Pascal not making this, ro- or maybe not making the roster. Where would this team have been what? without Zach Pascal this year? My goodness, my gracious! And that 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 young man has done so much to endear himself to the fans, to the local media. 
uh, to the coaching staff and to the but front office. But he needs office. to be your number four. Exactly. That's maybe, the thing. Maybe number three. You can, maybe. Lo- you can love him all you want. Right. You love him as a number four. Right. And, and it comes off as a knock to him. Now, they resigned into a well, one-year deal, which they didn't have to because he was going to be a Exclusive rights free agent. Which means they sign, he signs there for the – I haven't seen what his contract was. I haven't looked yet. He got more than – he would have had to have gotten more than right. what the minimum was. But they re-signed him and Chase McLaughlin and uh, Mo Ali Cox mm-hmm. to one-year deals, which that's good for him. But, gosh, you've got to have a receiver. They didn't close the door on Devin Funches resigning. Which, what's he? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Now it's like, ooh. For, for three and a half okay. quarters, he looked pretty good. You know, then he, like, battled towards, he fractured his, his collarbone in like five places. Ouch. Maybe that's why it didn't heal. Yeah. You right? think so? Uh, There's a difference between a clean break and a splinter. Right. You know, you know he shattered his, uh, his, his collarbone. So you don't know what you have. You just don't know. Paris Campbell, I don't know. I mean, you, you sort of like it. Yeah. You see something. Yeah, it's pretty good. And then he's going to have, he will have had. Three surgeries. One after the other That's after the incredible. other. incredible. In one year. Four injuries and three surgeries. Welcome to professional football. Right. And it's funny, one of the questions we I asked Frank was, or uh, Chris today was, with the injuries, what? I mean, what's up? And, and they don't know. They've changed everything they've done. They've changed, I think Stephen Holder had that. They've, they've changed training uh, uh, approaches mm-hmm. three times in seven years, I think it is. And it's the same thing. Now, you know, the medical staff's the same, but the medical staff gets them after they're hurt. Right. So it's not like they're, you know, feeding these guys, you know, grass or whatever. And, and so there's, but I, it's strange. But at receiver, I just, it is, because one thing that I, 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 one thing I took issue with Ballard at, because he, he was just falling on one sword after another, he said, I'm really pissed off over not doing a better job at, with the depth of the team. And that can't be at receiver. You, you did, what else can you do? Right. Cornerback, I don't know what else you could have done. I think the one area maybe he was pointing at was pass rush because mm-hmm. once Kamoko Terrain went down, they were done mm-hmm. as far as a compliment to Justin Houston. I was going to say, in spite of Justin Houston's 11 sacks on the right. air, which, hey, if you told me preseason that Justin Houston was going to get 11 sacks, I'd say perfect. Right. Now, what if he didn't? I mean, where would this be? Because that, that's one of, the, one of the reasons this defense went south is the pass rush just wasn't good enough for this defense to work the way it's it's it, it works. It's the front four sort of gives you the pass rush without blitzing all that much, but uh, it just didn't work. And over the last month of the season, this defense was awful, absolutely awful from top to bottom. I'll I'll throw this in there about the defense down the stretch, too. And it's not the only cause, but it is part of the cause that Kenny Moore missed this last month of the season. Who knew? Exactly. That Kenny Moore, one guy. Well, like I said, it's more than one guy, but you cannot... People underestimate the value he has to this defense, and he's our guy here at Fox 59. He was our player analyst through this great through this entire year. We all love him here, so I'll throw that out specifically. I love him because he's from Valdosta, Georgia, a place that I was for five years down in Tallahassee. I bet he, I bet he went Valdosta. to Syracuse. I bet he passed through Syracuse. He might have one day. Went to a game or something. But I've been to Valdosta many, many <laughs> times uh, in, in my in my professional career, covering both his high school and his college team down there, so I just have a, a particular What, he missed the last too. three or four games? Yeah, the, I think it was the last four. I, 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 I don't think it was just three. And Pierre Desir... Wasn't was one hundred percent after his that's, quad that's, or hamstring? It was a hamstring okay, yeah. over the last half of the season, and yeah. you don't know. You just don't know. And Chris Ballard said also that Malik Hooker trended downhill. I think or, right. I don't know if that's exactly what he said. I think he tailed T- off. T- was it's his, the tail end of the season. He didn't yeah. finish the, the tail end like you'd hope he would. Right. And he was always dealing with something. But he said he likes the safeties right as well. 
So we'll see yeah, if they, yeah. we'll see if they like Clayton Gathers enough to bring him back. I, I doubt they do, but uh, that's why th- there's so many personnel issues to deal with. Uh, mm-hmm. Adam Vinatieri. Yep. What do you, what do, you do with him, Joe? You're Wait the guy. For that leg to get healthy and then let him compete with uh, the Chase? new guy. Yeah. Boy, if that's I, an open competition, I don't know if Vinatieri goes for that. I can't. I just can't see him putting themselves in a position to bring Vinatieri back with the possibility of cutting him. I just don't see them doing that. I, I think they just they, they find the right words to say, Adam, 14 years, we, we really are indebted to what you've done here. Great career. We just can't. I, I, I would be very surprised if they – I don't care what, what the size of the con, the one-year contract would be. Mm-hmm. I just – remember they gave Jack Muert – the guard who was injured. Yep. And we're talking, we're talking apples and oranges here, but I just don't see them giving Adam a contract that's that's low on on bases and all that. If you earn your, if you earn a, I just don't see that because you you have you you face the possibility of cutting him, mm-hmm. and I just don't see them doing that. In many ways, I felt that this year kind of just reflected Adam Vinatieri's year in general. It was obviously the rough start at the beginning with uh, the loss to the Chargers and Vinatieri's rough start. Kind of turn things around a bit. The Colts get back to five and two. He has that incredible game where he kicks fifty-five yards and then he kicks fifty yards, whatever, against uh, Denver. I think it was to win. Um, and then after that, the uh, the just the this the image that that I have uh, of him was just staring down the field as Tennessee returns the uh, the blocked the field thump, goal thump, back because yeah. our, um, our 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 great photographer staff here at Fox Fifty Nine CBS Four just got it perfectly. They shot it. They see the block, and then he goes the other way. And then as just as the Tennessee guy runs into the end zone, he like pans over and you see Vinatieri at the same time. He just got his hands on his hips. You like that little thought bubble to yeah. see what's going on in his mind? I can only imagine the obscenities that's going on. Yeah, nothing are that you, I can repeat. Are here. you kidding me? Yeah, uh, but I, I just again I just I think they saw enough from McLaughlin. They again they signed him the one year deal. Yep. He's your guy, and you'll bring in a guy maybe for competition. But I, I just I, I will be very surprised of all their offseason moves if it includes. Uh, Adam Benatari. Now, of course, we'll get plenty more into free agency in the draft later. If uh, if Mike Chapel lives to see another day, of course, with the uh, the cough over there in the corner. I'm a gamer. You are you you unlike Eric Ebron. Ah, oh, too soon. Too no, soon. I don't think it's not too really. soon here. <laughs> I think I think uh, just from listening to Chris Bauer today, and I think he would agree. But uh, wouldn't wouldn't say that outright. I'll say it outright. Eric Ebron just. Called it quits. Went to IR. Yeah, went to golf the next day. We kind of been trashed in the last several weeks here. You know so what? there's no secret here on the no, blue zone about no, Ebron. No, definitely not. <sighs> we, we were looking at also when we talked about Vinatieri and all these, just the free agents, the primary free agents going into the offseason. Vinatieri, Costanzo, Jabal shared, which I, I kind of got the impression today that Chris Ballard was sort of saying, Thanks for the three years, but we'll probably move on. I, I I don't know. It sounded more like a farewell thing. We'll see. Clayton Gathers, he came back on the one-year deal. I, Eric Ebron, Joe Haig, Devin Funches, Dontrell Inman, Raven Clark, and, and Ross Travis. Those are the primary ones. And of that group, maybe three or four guys come back. Because Ballard said he told the team at, at 7 and 9, he said, there's going to be change. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't send a shiver down your your spine, if you're unless your name's Darius Leonard or Quentin Nelson or a handful of other guys, uh, whenever you don't get where you want to go, you weren't good enough. So there will be change. I would bring back Joe Higg. I think Joe's 
Joe's kind of like Joe Wright's. Mm-hmm. Is you you don't appreciate him until you need him to play at four positions, or he he can play five because he he can play center. Mm-hmm. And you have to have guys like that. Raven Clark, I don't know, I I don't know, I, I don't know if you if you do that again. Don Inman, I thought he sort of was only half hearted that last game. He had a couple drops, he and did. you know, I which I I don't say I understand, but Devin Funches, maybe you try it again. You certainly won't give him. What was it? Ten, thirteen, ten million dollars one year. He didn't get his incentives, right? So I'd say, how about one year and you know three million? And remember, we gave you ten million for three quarters. Yeah, remember those couple million we gave you last year? Uh Hometown discount. That's right, sort of. So they've got decisions to make. And one thing that was really interesting. I know we're not following Joe's outline no, here, okay. and Joe, we're so you, 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 hard on you really, you, you really, I'm very. If I were your teacher in college, I'd say, you know, this is really, really good, but we're not going to follow it. But, but. Uh, whether, whether when you had success in free agency, and I realize Funches didn't work out, injuries, you can't say he flopped because of anything other than injuries. But when you hit on, when you hit on Justin Houston, does that make you more inclined to be more active this coming year? And Ballard wouldn't go for it. He said, no, oh, we're still, we're going to try to stick with our process and go through the draft and all this. But, boy, I tell you, w- with the situation they are, I would. Th- I won't be surprised if they try to address a couple of needs through veteran free agency because I think you can you can be too young of a team, and they've got youth everywhere. They 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 love their linebackers. They need a defensive lineman. They really need a defensive lineman, an, an interior guy. Is that Tyquan Lewis? I I don't know. I mean, he was one of the guys that Chris Ballard said this is a big year for him. Him and uh, Quincy Wilson. But for this defense to work, you need. Interior lineman Marcus Hunt, I think he's probably gone. Uh, Jabal Sherrod, probably gone. And oh, that, Sherrod's gone. Yeah, you definitely need to fill in somebody. And for one, him. one thing that was interesting is where Chris Ballard said that they underestimated. He didn't use that word, but they the, the value of ha, of having veteran leadership in spots. He mentioned Al Woods and, and Mike, Mike Mitchell. Mitchell by name, right? And uh, that's why I thought maybe they would try to bring Jabal Sherrod back. But I didn't get those vibes from what Chris Ballard said. But who, who are your veteran presences on the defensive line? It's it's Justin Houston. It's Justin there. Houston and who? But he's not the same type of guy as Al Woods. I don't think is Justin's more. He's very quiet. He's in the he's background quiet until there's a game time. Then he's out exactly. there exactly. Right, kind of like thought. This is how we do it. Yeah. But they they need that. That's why again, I think Jabal shared what what he brings is far more than. His five or six tackles and, and what he does on the field because he, he short, sort of this is how we do it. But there aren't a lot of those home a lot of hometown homegrown defensive players up front. There just mm-hmm. aren't. Uh, when you miss on was it Terrell Basham? Yep. You know th- th- this should be when he's one of your guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so th- this is I-, I could see for agency if not another receiver then certainly a defensive lineman. But again. T- all these teams think alike. You're not going to get a quality left tackle in free agency. You're just not. Because they get locked up. Right, and it's hard to get a really good one unless you find a Jabal Sherrod who, if I'm not mistaken, was he more a rotational player with the Patriots? I think so, yeah. As opposed to a, a, a guy, uh, the guy. So either either you get a guy high in the draft, which you can, you can only get so many high guys in the draft, or you, you sort of hit on a guy in free agency. Like, what did they do with the Ebron for one year? But Sherrod was a solid guy for three years. 
I go back to Eric Walden for three years, who mm-hmm. was sort of something, you know, people sort of said, well, he's not Dwight Freeney. Well, no kidding. Okay. <laughs> but he's, you know, he had 11 sacks that one year. So I, I wouldn't, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they don't, are in a little more active, but we're not going to see Mr. $140 million in cap space going crazy. Chris Bow did say, you all know my philosophy on free agency. You cannot buy a championship. You cannot buy a locker room. So I, th- I think the second part of that answer goes into the first part of that answer from Chris Ballard. I totally agree that he, he he's we, – we saw what adding mercenaries to this roster did back not that long ago with, with the Lamar Landrys, who is the poster boy for, for mercenary. And I'd put the Andre Johnsons in and all that. Uh, but I – they, they – whether the fans want to roll their eyes or whatever, they believe in – it starts with having the right people, for the most part. I mean, you, you've got sixty-three guys on your roster, with including the practice squad. You're going to have some knuckleheads. You just do, uh, but you want to limit the knuckleheads, and you certainly want to limit those in positions of leadership, which they've got. I mean, Anthony Walker is—he's—he's he, he's what you want at Mike. He, he just is. About a seventh round pick, Anthony Walker. That's right. a hit for Chris Ballard. It's not just it's Darius Leonard and Quentin right. Nelson. You get your Anthony Walkers in there right. that he's had in the draft. You get your fourth round Marlon Max in there that he's had. So don't throw the baby out with the bathwater right. saying that uh, Chris Ballard didn't. Uh, he can pile it on himself saying he didn't provide the depth that this coaching staff needed. He's doing it. He's done it slowly. You can't well, ask for right. him to turn around what they what he had three years ago into. Um, into the perfect roster overnight. I think where, you need at least five years. Where, where it hurts, though, is is when you miss on Terrell Bass. Right, absolutely. When you miss on, it appears, Quincy Wilson. Yes, on Zach the, Banner in right. the fourth Th- those round. Those are the a third round pick and, and, and higher. Those are starters. Those have got. I'm not talking Pro Bowls. I'm talking. I'm talking a solid starter, and a four should be a solid backup guy. And when you miss on those guys, it hurts. You you, you take. You had to get Kamoko Ture because you missed on Terrell Basham. And they had to take Terrell Basham because they missed on whoever I'm forgetting, maybe, maybe uh, Jerry Hughes or, or whoever earlier. So this is, a, this is a monumental draft coming up, and we'll get into when we get into Joe's wheelhouse in, in a month or so. Combine's here at the end of February, and it'll really get cranked up. And if people think that we're going to have a better idea where these guys are quarterback-wise in February at the, at the Combine, you are delusional because they're going to tip nothing. They're going to give us no idea. They'll be it. You'll see all these tweets about well, Ballard was it or their guy was it. This guy's pro pro day, and you know whether it means something, I don't know. But the one thing that the good teams, what they do, they don't. Why, why would they give do all their homework and do all their meetings and all this evaluation and then spill their guts to, to anybody? Mm-hmm. So that's not the way it works. And like you said. Uh, with with the draft like that, it's it's chasing mistakes that puts you behind the eight ball. And uh, what one of the last things that Chris said, I think, in the press conference was one of the biggest mistakes teams make is forcing evaluation of quarterbacks. You get it wrong, and you set your franchise back. Tennessee, Jacksonville. Yep. I mean, you have no the Colts fans have have no excuse not to not to notice that, not to see that. Right. Like if if they go out and they don't draft a quarterback this year, that is why. And I, I people will be. People will be livid if the Colts do not draft a quarterback this year. Well, I'm, I'm picking that I'm, right I'm, now. I'm talking first, second round. Yeah, if they, you know, they, they'll they'll draft. They, they will draft a quarterback, mm-hmm. but fourth or fifth round, that's going to you know get you stirred up. No, nah, I but think 
If they don't take one early, I agree. If they don't take one early, this fan base will be livid. That that is why, uh, because you look at a team like Jacksonville and a team like uh, a team like the Titans, and they set Jake their Rocker, franchises Marcus back. Marcus Mariota, from, and where's the answer? It came from Miami with Ryan Tannehill. Crazy that Ryan Tannehill. And, and who knows? Again, if I'm Tennessee, am I going to give him? Four Boy, years and $120 million. What a tough spot those Holy guys are in. Holy smokes. Those are the quarterbacks, no matter how great he was this year. Those are the guys. Then they fall back to being who they were. Miami fans are just like, go ahead. <laughs> Give him that money. <laughs> right. See when the other shoe drops. Right. You know, Kirk Cousins, I mean, maybe he works out. But but they you're generally, you, it's, you know, the old Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. Normally, you are who your, your record show, or who, what your resume shows you are. Mm-hmm. You know, if they bring Mariota here, that's this is the Colts should have better idea than anybody outside of Tennessee what this guy is. So you know, I, I could see franchise tag for a couple of quarterbacks because of that very thing. But his whole point is, if, if you miss on the quarterback, it sets you back. Well, but we I'd argue this with if they if they decide to go with Brissett, if you're wrong, then then you sort of wasted next year. Yep. And and that's and that's wasting the, the the fourth year of Marlon Mack and the third year of of Leonard and, and Nelson and this offensive line. So you it just if you don't get that right, you put Andrew Luck on this roster with all, with all the warts and all the missed kicks. They're ten and six. They just are because he's good enough to to cover things up. But if you're wrong, then next year seven and nine probably again. And, and and where are you? Then you're still looking for your quarterback. That is the Colts Blue Zone podcast for this week, Joe. We did a we kind of uh, tap danced around your uh, your outline for us, so we do appreciate you putting it together. We can add a couple things next week that uh, you have in here, like yeah, offensive we, MVP, defensive MVP. It looks like I got my work for next week done already. There you go, since perfect. We didn't really get to how far? How far we get? Like halfway down page one. Yeah, right. That's about it. Yeah, Something we, like that. We started with Andrew Luck retired, and that was about it. After that. and it was completely off. I, the rails. I see the word Pittsburgh on here, and I see Brian. We didn't mention Brian Hoyer. I think there's good stuff on there for next week. All right, let's do it. At Colts Blue Zone on Twitter, you can follow Mike Chappell at mchappell51. I'm Dave Griffiths. That is at DaveG underscore sports. Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. Log on to fox59.com or cbs4.com now to find Mike's story from what Chris Boward had to say today. It's a lot of what we discussed in this podcast, focusing on Jacoby Brissett and many other topics as well. But again, it's just a different medium to look at what exactly Ballard had to say. And I'm sure we will touch back on Ballard's talks in our future podcast over the coming weeks as the offseason begins for the Indianapolis Colts. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. 